Hey, hi, uh, I am Richard Donner, but you can call me Dick, and you're listening to Superman Movie Minute? Is that right? Did I do it right? episode of Superman 2 Movie Minute, the show that scrutinizes, analyzes, and you'll believe a man can flies. 1980's Superman 2, the adventure continues, five minutes at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Franklin, and joining me on this journey through time and space is... Rob Kelly. Hey, Rob, how's it going? Things are looking up, because we have a special guest this week. Yes, we do. It seems very fitting for these minutes, but we've got someone on the call with a British accent, <laughs> and they're actually in England. So please welcome, not little Willie, the misplaced Brit of East Houston, Idaho, but our friend, <laughs> co-host of the Fantastic Cast and the Overlooked Dark Knight podcast, straight from the Palace of Glittering Delights, it's Andrew Leyland. Hey, Andy. Hello, everybody. It's nice to be back. <laughs> it's good to have you back. How's it going? Yes, it's going tickety-boo. Uh, do you know, as a kid... That kid being British didn't bother me half as much as the fact that Zod had levitating finger powers. <laughs> yes, I exactly. Think, I don't think I ever even noticed. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe you wouldn't notice as much as we would. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah he is remarkably out of place. You know, what, it is one of those things, once you've realised that you're like, what the, why is he there? <laughs> why has this guy wandered off the set of Bugsy Malone? <laughs> awesome yes <laughs> well, well andy has stopped by to help us discuss minutes 60 through 65 of superman 2 which begins with zod and ursa interacting with the locals in the town diner and ends with the army arriving hoping to put a premature end to zod's reign of planet houston uh so my first question is have you you guys ever used a pickup line like Hey, sweet thing, set them buns down here. <laughs> I I have, and it has not worked to this point, but I, I hope spring's eternal. <laughs> I looked, the, the entire thing about this five minutes is it's all about Terrence Stamp. Mm-hmm. Just watching what he's up to in the background of scenes where he's even not a part of them is genius. Like when Ursa's walking around the table here, and you've just had the scene, and oh, that's my orchestra playing arm. And this, the idea that this guy plays in an orchestra is funny <laughs> in and of itself. But mm-hmm. if you look, Terrence Stamps in the background picking up the sauce bottles, the ketchup bottles, and picking up the plates, like, what, what, what's all this? <laughs> He's genuinely funny in these five minutes. Yeah, he, we noticed that last time. He's just, And he just like he keeps staring at this plate. And just like lifting it closer to his face, like he's trying to examine yeah. the remnants of the food that's on there. Like, what, what is what is this substance that they have digested? You know, that's the, you know. Yeah. And it's especially pleasurable as well because I, I presume you two, like me, grew up watching this on video, so it wasn't in widescreen. So the way the camera was panned, you didn't even see Zod in this scene. Mm. So there's there's these little nuggets that you get to watch now that it's been released in in widescreen on DVD and Blu-ray that you you you're not familiar with no matter how many times you've watched the film. 
Yeah, that's something I take for granted that that I, I that I just forget of how you know lucky we are now that we can actually watch the whole movie at once because as a kid I never noticed the whole pan and scan thing. You know, I, I saw the movies in the theater one time. You know, I didn't have HBO, so literally like two or three to four years later, it showed up on the ABC Sunday Night Movie or mm. something. Uh, you know, or or on VHS, and they did the pan and scan, and you never remembered the fact that. Oh no, Zod was over here in the corner looking at the plate or whatever. And you know, so yeah, it's it's something it's mm-hmm. it is so cool. We're so fortunate that we can watch them unencumbered by, you know, I mean, the, four the by three televisions. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well this, yeah. it's funny you should say this is the film that made me appreciate widescreen because the pan and scan version of this film ruins the orange juice gag from earlier mm-hmm. on in the film, the orange juice freshly squeezed. You do on the pan and scan version we got, you didn't see Clark hold the orange juice. You just saw Christopher Reeve look off camera and go, huh. And you're like, what? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So you didn't see the glass of orange juice. He's got the little tiny minuscule amount in. You didn't see that. So actually getting to see all this extra stuff in the background where Terrence Stamps just been effortlessly cool. And he is. Let's be honest. He's magnificent in this part. I love Terrence Stamp anyway. He's great in the limey. We watched that Netflix thing the other day with Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler in it. It's not a great film, but Terrence Stamp's brilliant in it. Terrence oh, Stamp's he's in that too? Cameo. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, he's, he's got a cameo in it. He's really good. Oh, wow. I, I'll watch it just for that. Yeah. <laughs> Andy, did you see this movie in the theater? Because, of course, you guys got it like almost a year before we did here in the States, which now seems... Like, you know, completely unbelievable. But you guys had it way longer before America did. Yeah, yeah, I saw this in the cinema. I saw Superman 2 at the cinema. Superman the movie is the first film I ever saw at the cinema. The first proper film. And Superman 2, yeah, like you say, we got... Obviously, we didn't know it then. We got it early doors. And I remember we went to Spain on holiday that year. And across the way from us, there was a little flea pit cinema. Uh, Spanish cinema, and they had on the wall the Superman 2 movie poster in Spanish. So it must have been playing in that theatre across the way from our hotel. Oh, cool. I always That's remember that. Cool. Yeah, it was the it was the, the it was the same poster as the one of Superman flying directly towards you, but the camera's over the three Kryptonian villains, so that the the eye level's wrong. If you look at how that 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 picture's laid out, that poster's laid out, Superman's going to fly right above their heads. <laughs> The center of gravity on that film is on that poster is completely wrong, but it was all in in Spanish. It was brilliant. I loved it. That's just Superman checking it out like he does later in the movie, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Superman didn't even do nothing. <laughs> Spoiler warning uh, yep. for, <laughs> for later in the movie. Uh, I, I love Ursa's, let's just hold hands. Sarah Douglas, just her line delivery of every line in this film is just like, she's just eating this up. Every single line. I'm glad you bring that up because I'm curious about that. Where does she learn that? Because that phrase, she's saying it like, I mean, obviously the joke is she is saying it in a different meaning than the way we would mean it. But that's a that's a that's a like an earth that's a humanoid humanoid excuse me that's like a human English aphorism. Where does she know that? Like she would just take it literally. Like maybe, so, I always maybe wondered, cri- where where did she pick that up? Maybe Krypton's had drive-throughs as well, oh, that- where they do the old <laughs> let's 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 yawn and put my arm around her shoulders, and then she would turn around and snap your neck. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I, I I thought about this, guys. And I was going to ask you because you know where did this come from? Of course, we have to just take for granted they they know english somehow 
for speaking English. But we did see Jorel and Lara, you know, embrace in usual human fashion in Superman the movie. And I mean, as they were walking through the destruction of Krypton through the through their home through his lab, he's holding her hand as he's leading her to wherever they're trying to go, even though there's nowhere they can go. So there is hand-holding on Krypton for Superman the movie. So there you go. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll buy it. I'll buy it. You were, you were gracious enough in the last episode, Chris, to accept my theory that Superman movies and the James Bond movies exist in the same universe. So I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> well, while we're on it, we I love that idea. <laughs> I was going to ask you, what do you think about that, Andy? What do you think about that? Well, I, 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 I think that's fantastic. Yeah, Where was Superman when Moonraker happened? Yeah, re- oh. yeah, really. Well, like I said, my, my theory is it's the Sheriff Pepper connected universe. He is the Nexus. Um, and Shane which, Rimmer. Yeah. Oh, well, Shane Rimmer, too. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, oh, my God. Yeah, there's a lot of crossover. But, I mean, my, my theory from the last episode, Andy, was literally that Clifton James here playing Sheriff is playing the same <laughs> Sheriff that he played in the two James Bond movies. I think he is as well. I there think he is absolutely playing that. And he's playing exactly the same corrupt sheriff he played on an episode of the A-Team. So there you go. The A-Team fits into continuity <laughs> as well. I know that one. That's all, all perfect. That's great. Oh, I love oh, the A-Team in the Superman universe. Oh, I love yep. it. Yep. Oh, That's wow. fantastic. Isn't it? Did, he, did Clifton James ever play anything but corrupt Southern Sheriffs? He did. He did. He, he, right, good. He's actually, um, we, again, we talked about it in the last episode. He's actually, um, he's the DA in The Untouchables. He's the one. Who, oh, he's, so yes, he so he is. Yeah, he literally coins their coin, gives them their name. It's the, and he's the one in the press conference scene where he says Elliot Ness and his band of Untouchables. So he actually gets the first time anyone ever calls them that. So that's kind Good. of a big moment for him. Yeah, he had an amazing career, but of course, yeah, everybody remembers him as the the, <laughs> the Southern Sheriff. So now I got to dig up that episode of the A Team. I'm dying to find out like what that episode's all about. So uh, pros, pros and cons in season one: the team go undercover in a jail. Oh, where they're running, right. they're running an illegal boxing operation. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. That sounds awesome. <laughs> so now, now going further, since uh, Face recognizes a Cylon when they're on the set of the Universal lot in that <laughs> episode, does that somehow connect Battlestar Galactica to Superman and James Bond? Oh my in the god! 18th? <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> I, I think you, I think you're stepping down one rabbit hole too many, though, my friend. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Oh, I see. I see how it is. <laughs> I, I just prefer the idea that Dirt Benedict landed on Earth and opened up a chain of coffee shops. I think that's probably the connection there. <laughs> there you go. I like it. <laughs> you've you've got this this brilliant bit here just to bring this screechingly back on topic. Where um, they do the arm wrestling, she smashes the table. Terence Stamp's reaction to that. Oh, yeah, his yeah. eye rolling. And he eye rolls at Nan like 30 seconds earlier in the previous scene. So both times he is like, God, I have really attached myself to two idiots. You know? He's just yes. I will, in this particular one, my interpretation of this is, oh, God, here she goes again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, it's like it, it, we, we have, me and Rob have made this backstory, or I have actually, and Rob's just let me go, that, that Ursa was a jilted Kryptonian Girl Scout. And because, and that's why she's after all these badges, and uh, because they kicked her out for being so cruel, and 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 Zod's just used to her going off. So yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, I love the I love the idea that she just goes around beating on stupid men. Yeah, 
and, and, and Zod's just like, oh, for God's sake. And you just get the impression he just lets her do it. <laughs> he, just, he just steps back and says, yeah, yeah, that guy's a douchebag. Do what you're going to do. I'm not bothered. But his eye roll is tremendous. But it's the voice as well. It's the... Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> that resigned sigh. That shit's just about to go down. I've got my merit badge and neck snapping. Oh, great. Okay, Ursa, that's fantastic. <laughs> I'm about to I'm about to go for the merit badge and throwing men through windows. Watch. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. I, you know the uh, of course Ursa. She she beats the guy who I guess is named JJ per the credits. Uh, she breaks the table, breaks his arm, and. Uh, you know, it's it's a really cool scene, but right as she was walking around, I don't think I ever noticed, speaking of things you never notice, is her outfit more diaphanous, more see-through See, than, the, yep. than the other two? Yeah, I thought so. Okay. Yes, her, her outfit is more revealing and more, what's transparent. Right. Than the it's other sheer. two. Yeah, yeah, it's more yeah. sheer and transparent. Yeah, I, I, I hadn't really noticed that until this scene, but... As she walks around, you're like, oh, okay. You can see a little more underneath, which is definitely, they didn't do that with Terrence Stamp or Jack O'Halloran, I don't think. Thank so. goodness. No. Yeah, thank yeah, goodness. Well. <laughs> but also, I, I, it was only on later screens I noticed that they've got red trims mm. on their outfits. That's not really that noticeable throughout this entire movie. Yeah, yeah. We, we brought that up before because uh, about 10 years or so, Mattel famously made a General Zod who's got way too much red on his costume. Mm. But, but it's not entirely inaccurate when you see him like when they land in the lake uh, earlier yeah. in the movie. It's, it's, it's pretty wild. They got a lot of red in there, and they're, the, the, they're, uh, the leathery parts of their costumes look like they've got like red uh, that like uh, jumps out at you sometime when light hits it right. So yeah, yeah. But in this scene, it looks like particularly Ursa is just wearing a black negligee. Yeah, it does. A <laughs> uh, few notes on the actors in this scene: the Coors guy is played by Halle, by Hal Galley, who was in Doctor Strange Love and The Pink Panther Strikes Again, and so he worked at least two, twice with Peter Sellers. And also, Andy, he was a voice in the Space 1999 episode, The Immunity Syndrome, uh, which when I saw that, I'm like, wait a minute, isn't that the title of a Star Trek episode? <laughs> yeah, Fred Freeburger dusted off quite a lot of Star Trek titles when he was doing Space 1999. Ah, okay. My, fa- my favorite one of them is he called an episode The Rules of Luton. Luton is a place just off the, uh, the M4, I think, in London. He oh. saw that name on a road sign and thought, that's a good name for a title of a science fiction TV show. No, no, Fred. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> good old Fred Fryberger. Uh, <laughs> the, only, the, only, the only casting note I've got for this is one of the stuntmen in this scene is Terry Walsh, who was Tom Baker's stunt double on Doctor Who. Oh, okay. Which okay. implies that at least some of this was filmed on Elstree's Batlock. Mm. Or Pinewood. Was this Pinewood? Pinewood, yeah. Pine- this is Pinewood. Yeah, this was this was Pinewood. So, where... some of, so some of this must have been filmed on the Pinewood back lot for Terry Walsh to be doing a stunt there. I doubt they'd have flown him all the way to California. No, I think the majority of this movie, like all the stuff that's on set, is filmed at Pinewood. I mean, they at one time Pinewood, I remember there's that famous, uh, the, the outside of the Pinewood uh, studios from the making of, I think, the original Superman. You see this illustration of Superman that looks like Christopher Reeve, but it's like, they took a Neil Adams body and put a Christopher Reeve face on it, and then it's next to the 007 logo. Mm, next so to the 007 like, stage. 
Yeah, so it's like the 007 Superman studio, and then, of course, Batman filmed there, too, later. Yeah, they are crossing mm. over again. Yeah, they yeah. are. That's right. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Yeah, Bill Bailey, who plays J.J., who just got his arm broken, was in Superman the movie, apparently, as second senator. So that just shows you what happens when these guys don't get reelected. Uh, so. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of crossover of actors in between Superman 1 and 2 in different roles, though, isn't yeah. there? Yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot. Even even uh, even John Ratzenberger is uh, he was uh, missile control and now he's working for NASA at Houston. Well, you know? so, yeah. we haven't got to that moment yet, but I am convinced John Ratzenberger's voice is one of the overdubs on the scene with at, the yes. with the newscaster. Yes, that's, yes, that's in my notes. Yeah, there's no way that that's not him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I never noticed that before until I listened to it for this through the headphones. Yep. Yeah, and we're we're used to hearing John Ratzenberger and not seeing him thanks to Pixar. So, mm. <laughs> so it's like, oh wait, that's got to be John Ratzenberger because there's his voice just jumping out at you. Uh, uh, Boog, who is the uh, guy who here in a minute uh, was going to get uh, thrown through the window or through the wall by Zod, as uh, uh, actor Denny Powell. He's primarily a stunt man. Going so far back as Doctor No, Rob. <laughs> and ending with the 2004 version of the Phantom of the Opera. So. Yeah, so he uh, obviously they'd probably want to cast a stuntman because Zod has had enough of this guy when he threatens Ursa hmm. and just, uh, you know, throws him through the wall, which is a pretty good stunt. <laughs> Have either one of you guys seen the David Cronenberg uh, version of The Fly? Yes, yes. I love The Fly. Yeah. There's the famous arm wrestling scene in that film, which mm. ends a little more grimly than the one we see here. But it's, <laughs> I couldn't help but think of it. I'm like, that's probably the more likely scenario of arm wrestling someone with immense strength is uh, you don't just get thrown through a table. You actually have something even more grotesque yeah. happen to you. You literally snap the bone out of your forearm. <laughs> oh. I'm thinking about it all over again. I'm sorry I brought it up. Yeah. It's, it is gross, that bit in the fly. I don't think tonally that's what Richard Lester was going for. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> By the way, before the, the scene just before the uh, the, the arm wrestling, um, the, when Sheriff Pepper goes up to w- the little kid, Willie, he says to him, Willie? And then there's like a cut. And I feel like that's a di- that, that there was more dialogue there. That, yeah. that cut. Because it's it, like normally you would hear like kind of if, if they meant to cut it, I think the word Willie would taper down, but instead it seems like it's right in the middle of a sentence. So I wonder yeah, if there's an, another scene with Sheriff Pepper and Willie that Lister cut out. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like he's about to explain to – I'll say something along the lines yeah. of, you would believe it if I told you. Right. That yeah, kind exactly. Of thing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's where we first hear Willie speak with his uh, British accent. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> Most and, baffling. And- Yes, the most baffling British accent. And also we learned that because of the incredible convulsions that uh, the Sheriff Pepper experienced in the the last uh, segment (laughs) that Rob and I talked about, the car has a front flat tire on the passenger (laughs) side. Uh, so, <laughs> what, what, what really strikes me as weird about the kid is so many of these British actors in these films and Star Wars as well were overdubbed. Why did they not overdub the kid? Right, yeah, we right. talked about that. This film is like half ADR. They couldn't do that. Yeah. It makes no sense. Yeah, <laughs> and a lot of the ADR looping in this, in Superman 2, is to add supposedly funny lines where the actor isn't even speaking. Right. Right. Yeah, we got some of that with Sheriff Dwayne last time when Non lifts the car and he's like, oh, I'm just checking the tires, you know. Yeah, there's a lot of that in the fight at the end, isn't there? 
Oh, yeah. Oh. Where they've thought, Let, let's add in a gag for no good reason whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Zod knocks the guy through the wall and uh, they through the poultry truck, which, of course, is parked out in the middle of the dirt road. Uh, <laughs> I know that bugs you, Chris. <laughs> yes, it bugs me. Uh, you know, I, I, now the one thing you were talking about comedy bits, uh, Andy, when the guy goes through the wall, there's a guy Ooh. in a cowboy hat. Yeah. <laughs> porch who never gets up never yep. startles at this sound this is pure lester right here people <laughs> yeah well what's what's really weird about this scene in addition to the guy who just sits there the guy who gets thrown through the wall that shot that you're talking about with the guy with his feet up and the cowboy hat on is blue screened mm-hmm. but then he comes flying out the other side of the truck and he's on location yeah and I'm wondering, what's the logic, what's the logistics of filming that scene, of that tiny bit being against a blue screen, and then the rest of the stunt not being? I didn't, I don't understand why that would be, unless the through the truck was a pickup shot because the original shot didn't work, or the lighting was wrong, or whatever. That seems like mm. a good, I, I would say that seems like a safe bet, that they were, they, you know, they got it back and they were like, oops. This doesn't work, so then they had to like patch it together or something. Because mm. I love the guy landing in front of Sheriff Pepper and the kid. There's quite clearly a mattress there under all that sand, but fair play to the stump man. That's a remarkably good stunt. Yeah, it does look really good when he's busting through that truck and all the feathers are flying and everything. Poor chickens, but you know, <laughs> it's, it's uh, yeah. It's, and, and then we learn the guy's name because Sheriff Pepper's like, "Boog, yeah, is Boog, that you?" Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Did you did you discover what comic book the kid was reading? No, we didn't. We did the last episode. No, I was trying to freeze frame and I couldn't get a decent look at any yeah, of the panels. Yeah. yeah, we couldn't either. It is it's too dark. It's like every mm. time it's like you can't make out any discernible. It's probably a Marvel comic the way these things usually go. Because <laughs> no, no, it would make sense that Marvel comics exist in the DC universe, just like in the DC TV shows on the CW, Marvel movies exist. Mm, that's true. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's what makes sense. Well, now, to find out what that comic is, I think, uh, Chris, you and I need to get the 4K version of Superman 2 and 4K <laughs> Blu-ray players, and we can just – we can charge the network because it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a show expense. It's a, biz- it's a business expense, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Tax deductible. Done. That's all I got to say. I'll get my fire, fire and water credit card out right now. <laughs> Does, does, does such a thing exist? Can I get it? <laughs> you know, just so I could just so I can come over and visit you. Could, we yeah, could do that expenses, go. right? I think we all need to go back to Disney World and Universal. Andy, I, I think so too. I think that would be fantastic. <laughs> or Superman Celebration. There you go. There you go. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, I um, love I love the guy. Sorry, Chris. I'm no, speaking. No, you go ahead. I love his, his dumbass partner who's just walking through the door when the guy comes flying out the window. <laughs> and he just and he just does his comedy turn around. Yeah, Deputy Dwayne's not going to find out about the wide selection today. Uh... <laughs> I love that Deputy Dwayne's hat doesn't fit him. <laughs> See, some of the sight gags in this are really genuinely funny i think my problem is is when he's when he's looped additional funny dialogue that doesn't always work yeah yeah i i me and rob were talking last time it's like that these three aliens have dropped in the middle of a, a 
of a Hicksploitation movie, as Rob called them. You know, it's, it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's like, you know, it's a Dukes of Hazzard type, uh, you know, Smoking the Bandit type situation. I would love General Zod to show up in the middle of an episode of Dukes of Hazzard. <laughs> I, I, I'm thinking Hee Haw would have been great. They run, in, <laughs> run into me. They run into Minnie Pearl and they take a break for a song from like Furlan Husky or something. It would just be super cool. Zod's in the cornfield and he's like, I'm from the planet Krypton, population zero. Salute! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's a, yeah, Hee Haw, man. You know, Hee Haw was required viewing, you know. As you would imagine, in my area, uh, that that's that's just something you watched every Saturday night. You had to watch Hee Haw. So, uh, <laughs> oh yeah. So, Sheriff, uh, did you guys notice when Dwayne walks into the restaurant and back out? There's a guy standing on top of a mobile home in the background. Now, yeah. Why is this guy on top of a trailer? I mean, maybe there's an antenna up there. Maybe he was adjusting the antenna, but. Again, this is another one of those examples to me that just says Richard Lester has this weird idea of what small town America's yeah. like. Mm-hmm. Well, I was, I was, I was going to ask you two about this because this is the weirdest laid out town I have ever seen. Little, little Jimmy or whatever his name is lives in a house in between the diner and the gas station. Yeah, <laughs> who builds a house there? Well, who builds all these buildings but doesn't pave the roads? I mean, they're, they're dirt roads. I mean, I, that's the that's the thing that gets me. And they just it, it now as as when when you were young and saw this movie, did you think when you I don't know when you first visited the states, but when you thought when you come to the states, did you think oh all the small towns are going to look like the town in Superman too? Is that? <laughs> No, I thought all the small towns were going to look like Hazard County because that oh, okay. flat okay. lot was on every show imaginable. <laughs> well, I mean, even even Hazard County in the town, they had the, the, it was a nice town. They had paved yeah. streets and everything. Yeah, out in the county, there were dirt roads. Sure, that happens, but this is a town where all these people are like, you know, there's a diner, there's a gas station, there's a hotel. We see the hotel later when when uh, Jody Willie's dad comes out. So yeah. it's like. But there's you've a. Got, the you've, got to, you've got to wonder why there's a hotel in a town with only 130 people. <laughs> right. yeah. Maybe, and this obviously isn't the main highway because it's not paved. So why would no. you have a hotel off well, the I, beaten path? Ironically, they will they will need the hotel because this town will become a, a tourist spot. It'll be the the site of where the Phantom Zone villains landed. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Is yeah. Zod wearing red boots as well when he's walking through the street though? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. So the boots are red as well. The boots and all the all the leather piping on their outfits right. are kind of yeah, they got a red cast to them. How many times I've seen this film and never noticed that he had red boots, like Superman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was funny. Dwayne turns around only to bump into Nan, who's still holding the siren like it's a yeah. Pet. <laughs> yeah he's still holding the cherry that they put on top of the cop cars. I love that. <laughs> That's one of my favorite sight gags when he looks at it after he's ripped it off and it's not working anymore. <laughs> I also love, have you seen the size of the stack heel boots Nons were in? Mm, nah, I, I, mean, I, I, I know Jack O'Halloran's a tall man, but they have really gone every effort to make him taller than he, he actually is. 
Mm. The old Frankenstein effect. To give yeah. give the Frankenstein actor the huge stack boots, even if they are tall. Yeah, like yeah. Fred Gwynn that played Herman Munster was yeah, like yeah. six foot six, but you put him in those boots and he's like over seven foot tall. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> so, they're, they're exactly like uh, Fred uh, Herm, for Herman Gwynn. They're exactly like Herman Munster's uh, boots, though. So, yeah, I'd, again, not something I'd ever noticed before before watching mm. it for this and freeze framing and seeing what I can spot. Well, maybe if this doesn't work out for Nani, he can join Kiss. You know, I don't know. <laughs> can you imagine non Ursa and Zod as the new members of Kiss with Gene Simmons? <laughs> I think they'd fit right in. I don't know. I, I think they'd be brilliant. <laughs> uh, so the Phantom Zone villains are briefly halted walking down the dirt road by a man holding a double-barreled <laughs> shotgun who tells them to hold him, hold him up, keep him up. Uh, this man does not have a British accent, but like I said earlier, we'll soon learn he's Willie's dad, Jody. Uh, so here's the part that you love, Andy. So tell us what Zod does next. <laughs> oh, this is Zod's levitating finger power. <laughs> and even as a kid, I was like, can Superman do that? Because the Phantom <laughs> Zone villains have different powers to Superman. I mean, it only gets worse as the film goes on. You know, that whole bit that you've not got to yet at the end where you're just like, oh, it never was very good at this as a kid. I'm like, where did you play this as a kid? Who did <laughs> right. you play this game with? <laughs> but yeah, the, the levitating finger power is, I, it's not only a stupid superpower, it's a terrible special effect. You can see the telegraph pole through him mm. as they lift him up. And it's, I just kind of think it's, it's intimidating and it's funny. But I think it would have been far more threatening for Zod to walk up to him and lift him up by the throat mm-hmm. yeah. than have this, this ability with his finger. Because it's, I know it's Superman, and I know he can do all these wonderful power things, but it's stretching it just that slightest bit too far that he has beams that can emanate from his fingers that he can lift people up with. Do you know what I mean? Right. I, yeah. I always like Superman to be, he can do what we do to the extreme. So we can jump, he can fly. We can run, he can run super fast, etc., etc. But we can see through chair, walls. We couldn't do levitating finger beat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah. It's, yeah, it just, I've never been a fan of the levitating finger. Well, last time he had levitating heat vision. So, uh, <laughs> so he with did. A, yeah. With a tractor beam that pulled the gun toward him, you know? So it's like. Mm. <laughs> So now we're like with the last like less than five minutes, we've had two powers that Superman has never been known to have. So uh, which is kind of interesting. But now here's a question I got for you guys. So, you know, little Willie walks up and and, you know, daddy down. Governor, (laughs) my father, that would be good. (laughs) He sounds exactly like that. Uh, (laughs) Please, sir, can I have some more? <laughs> <laughs> what a twist. Uh, oh, oh Chris. <laughs> I'm a dad. I'm allowed to make dad jokes. Uh, <laughs> so is Andy. You can make dad jokes. Uh, but, 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 yeah. It, <laughs> so he runs up to him and gets in Zod. Let's his dad down, which he I mean, hits the ground hard, which maybe that's why the roads are dirt. So we know Jody doesn't get killed when he hits the, yeah, the, the floor bounces when he hits it. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah the, ro- the roads are mostly rubber mats with dirt on top of them as far as we can see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this entire town's been, been on a rubber wrestling mat. <laughs> Maybe they thought, maybe that they found out, it's like, well, we were going to pave the roads, but we found a rubber mat with some dirt on it. It gives us some real good traction. 
I, I love when I love when Chris, who already has a southern accent, does another southern accent on top of it. That's great. <laughs> when he does a fake southern yeah, accent. Yeah, yeah. I, I I never get tired of hearing that. <laughs> it's the accent I stop myself from sounding like. That's what happens. That's what's so easy for me to get into. Uh, and it's according to who I'm hanging out with, and locally, I'll sometimes go more into it. But when I'm talking to you guys, I kind of steer out of it. So. Uh, <laughs> Wow. That's true. That's true. <laughs> it's not that bad, though. It's not that bad. Uh, but now here's the thing that got me. So, you know, this, you know, Sheriff, the Sheriff Dwayne and even Willie at first, they they don't seem quite as scared and alarmed. They're more like just resigned to the fact that these guys can do whatever they want to them at this point, which is like, would they really be at this point with them yet? I mean, I know Jody's not. He comes out and is going to ready to shoot him. But like the fact that the rest of the town doesn't try to just like I mean these are a bunch of you know rough redneck guys. They would probably well one they probably just open fire on them honestly. But, but they probably they probably at least come out and try to tackle them or something. But they all just kind of you know they're a little blasé about it. I mean they're they're horrified but not like actively horrified by it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, you would expect somebody to take a two by four to none, right? Or, or yeah, the, there is a little bit of they're just standing around watching this happen yeah. rather than actually actively engaging with them. Because at the moment, really, they've only seen somebody get thrown through a wall, and now the levitating finger. Surely, at some point, some of them would say, eh, "There's more of us than there is them," and one of them's a skirt, and then they pile on them and then promptly end them end up on the face of the moon, right. which may have been a good scene to be fair. Well, kind of like the scene we're going to get later at the end of the movie after it, in the Battle yeah. of Metropolis, it looks like they defeated Superman and the, the, the city of Metropolis is like, let's get him, you know, which, yeah. you know, stupid, but, you know, admirable, you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and, and at the Battle of Metropolis, you could be well, you could accept them being very, oh, um, okay. Whereas here, they don't know who these guys are or where they've come from. So right. you would think there would be a little bit more resistance, but they probably didn't have the budget for that. That's true. Now, one thing is, speaking of not having the budget, maybe they should have checked again. The the scene behind when when Zod's got lifting them in the air, maybe right before lifting Jody in the air, there's a guy standing behind them who's got his hands up in the air, a local. I don't know if you guys noticed this. It's like he's being held up, but he's got <laughs> – Yeah. And, did you guys notice that? He's, I, he's between Ursa and Nan, yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, I don't know what to do with my hands, you know. <laughs> yeah, he does look like he's standing there with his hands up. Yeah, who's got a gun on him? Right. <laughs> nobody's, nobody's even noticing this guy, but he's got his hands up. It's like, it's an extra who's decided to add a little uh, a little more drama to the scene, and nobody asked him to, I think, and, <laughs> and then nobody noticed it. <laughs> maybe he's trying to stop his hat from floating away in the wind. Well, maybe he's afraid of levitate away too just like Jody. I don't know. <laughs> levitating finger hats yeah there you go <laughs> speaking of jody i couldn't find any um any listing for this guy I, I i found a listing for a guy named dino uh around this same scene but th- there was no listing for Z- D- jody did you guys find anything on this actor there is someone credited as the father uh, his name is todd woodcraft mm. and this is his only credit and i can't think of another okay. father in this movie, so I'm going to assume that 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 this guy being levitated is Todd Woodcraft. I'm betting he's probably a stuntman uh, because yeah. he doesn't have much to say, and his main thing is to just fall from that great distance. So I'm betting he's just a stunt guy. 
Yeah, yeah you, probably, you probably found him. That's probably him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so now we skip from uh, Houston, East Houston, Idaho, to the Fortress of Solitude, where Superman tells Lois of how the Green Crystal called to him and how he built his Arctic man cave. Uh, he there refers to Jonathan as his Earth father, which I thought was kind of interesting. What did you, what did, did you guys uh, think anything in particular about that? The way he referred to his his fathers in that scene. I I just liked um uh he's just basically breaking it down for Lois. I mean Lois at this point I don't know would she know that he was raised by the Kents as he explained mm-hmm. all that to her. I mean she knows he sends half of his paycheck home every month. Right. They must so, have yeah, talked know. about something on the flight over here. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, my big thing with this scene is just how wonderful Christopher Reeve's delivery is. It it um it uh it called to me, and Lois <laughs> is like, uh huh. It's like he knows that it sounds absolutely crazy as he's saying the words, and I I love that Christopher Reeve is far more embarrassed about saying that line of dialogue than he ever was about wearing the suit. Because he knows that what he's saying to Lois here could make him seem to be really, really crazy. And Lois's reaction to it is lovely as well. The, just This scene is great because it just shows how good Reeve and Kidder were at just bouncing off each other. Yeah. And how believable the delivery of the dialogue. Big for- fortress in the middle of the Arctic just growing around him. They just make it real. They just ground it. The perma brilliant in this scene. Yeah, he looks mm-hmm. – Reeve looks so at ease in that costume just walking around, like not doing action stuff, mm-hmm. just walking around like it's like you would in your normal clothes. And he looks utterly comfortable, which is very fun to watch because he's like he's just being regular guy Superman. Mm-hmm. This is – in fact, this is probably the most relaxed we've seen him mm-hmm. as Superman. He doesn't have to hide anything here. He's not pretending to be the bumbling Clark Kent. He's not having to be the guy who saves the day. He's essentially here. He's being himself. Far away from Clark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I, I like the fact that Kidder plays it as being she's overwhelmed by this this information that's coming at her. You know, it's like she's trying to comprehend everything he's saying, but at the same time, it is so out there. I mean, she's believing what he's saying, but it's like it's hard for her to grasp it, even though she has obviously flown with Superman and you know been saved by Superman probably more times than we've even seen in these films. It's, it's, she's still trying to absorb all this as she's in this incredibly, uh, you know, this incredible place that she can't even hardly fathom. How's this place even exist? You know, it, it's it is. It's a really just those two were just uh, pitch perfect for their roles. And like you said, the chemistry they have together. Mm-hmm. It's just so easy going, isn't it? Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do like, though, that <laughs> Lois is. Uh, uh, you know, she you know she does say, well, not that they couldn't use a woman's touch, you know, <laughs> especially around dinner time, and and I love how because she goes from that's Lois, she's like the wide eyed, oh, one minute she's in awe, and the next minute she's like, well, you know, I could use a woman's touch, you know, that's <laughs> so I thought that was cute, but I, I do always I, this thing always kind of bothered me though because Superman realizes and. It's another one of those things, Andy, where you're like, he's kind of like stumbles over the fact, like, I didn't even think about dinner, you know. It's like, uh, uh, he's like, sky's the limit, anything you want. But he takes off before she has a chance to say what she wants. <laughs> <That's> a- <laughs> he, he just he just brings her a selection oh, okay, from all okay. over the world. That's that's <laughs> what I imagine's in that little brown bag when he eventually gets back. Yeah. Maybe, my, maybe my, he- my issue with it is he just leaves her there. It's not like he's left her with a television set. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> what if she acts, accidentally activates the Superman robots, or she falls into the disintegration <laughs> pit, or something? Right? <laughs> yeah. What if she finds? What if she finds the Kryptonian Zoo, where he keeps oh, all those wow. animals? Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, she accidentally turns on the Phantom Zone projector and then starts even more trouble. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) uh, Now, the next sequence, which shows Superman picking tropical flowers for their dinner date, that was filmed somewhere, I think, in the South Pacific, I think, by Donner, if I recall. Oh, really? Oh, all right. I think it was. I think so. But I remember Christopher Reeve at some point in a later sequel complained that they didn't take four. That was it for four that he didn't. Yeah, yeah, they they didn't. He said, I remember when we went to, you know, wherever they went and for one like one little like two, uh, like one minute scene and, you know, went on location. And now they, you know, we can't even, you know, (laughs) well, we've seen Superman. Now we're in Milton Keynes. (laughs) Yeah. Now we're on the train to Cock Fosters. How low have we sunk? <laughs> right. <laughs> my, my, bit, my, my lovely bit about this, I'm glad I've got to talk to you about it. Nobody lands better than Christopher Reeve. Yeah. Oh, his landings Nobody. are yeah, his landings are just perfect and graceful and smooth. Uh, the 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 mat shot when he's landing is a little dodgy, but when when you actually cut to him on the wires, it just looks so good. Yeah, and because yeah. I, I am so bored of the heroes landing in these movies and cracking the pavements. Yeah, yeah. It's oh, like, yeah. no, that's not how you do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and, and just his body language as well, again, just how he holds himself in those wires. He must have had amazing core strength when he was making these movies to be able to hold himself like that. Well, another thing, too, is is you watch the... Now, of course, the Superboy TV series uh didn't have the budget this did but they did have some of the same technicians they had the salt kinds involved and they had some of the same technical people to use the same rigs and everything from the superman movie and you watch those neither actor that played superboy ever took off nearly or landed nearly as well as christopher reeve or helen slater for that matter so helen Helen slater did it as exceptionally well as well yeah yeah, so it's it's something about those two actors that 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 figured out how to make that work. Not it's not just the rig, it's not just the technician, it's the actor in it that makes that look so great. Because no oh, offense I, I, to Newton or, or Gerard Christopher, but yeah, they don't look nearly as good. <laughs> you know, I wonder I wonder how much of it is. Christopher Reeve was a pilot, so he knew about flying and aerodynamics, and Helen Slater was a dancer. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So and, whether and Christopher Reeve, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. yeah I was sorry. Just go ahead. Say, my daughter dances, so you actually see how in control they are of their movements. And I wonder if Helen Slater brought that to her interpretation of the role. Because Melissa Benoist isn't bad at it, but again, she suffers from the minute she takes off, she turns CGI. So <laughs> they, they've not really, they, they don't really have takeoffs and landing. Dean Kane was utterly awful at it. Yeah, That's just, let's just waggle the cape in front of the camera. God yeah. no. But the yeah. Superboy, the Superboy show has actually got some really decent episodes in its third and fourth season. You should do Superboy Movie Minute. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I enjoyed the Superboy series after, like, the, the first season is pretty rough, but two through four are pretty, you know, got some really good episodes here and there. I mean, yeah, there's some limitations of the budget, but some great stories. I mean, yeah. the, the execution sometimes isn't. Up to up to the snuff of the story, but the, I give them credit for you know, you know, really trying, and they did achieve a lot on that show. So yeah, but yeah, I, I ain't gonna get Rob to do that. So 
it's, it's a proper it's a proper comic book adaptation that show it is yeah it definitely is comic book people working on it later on too carrie bates and mike carlin and somebody different jam dematis and Mateus, yeah, a lot of a lot of the uh, comic book writers worked on on those shows, but uh, but I guess we're better get better get back to Superman too. <laughs> All right, uh, you sold me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there you go. You heard it here first, people. Uh, so Superman returns to the fortress with the flowers and a bag of groceries, as Andy said, and asks, "How did how did he pay for them?" <laughs> <laughs> He's got money in a pouch in his cape, as we all know. Oh, of many of years in yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the bad part is he's got to decompress his Clark Kent suit to get his wallet out, which is fun. You know, so he's got to pull the little wad that's his suit and his shoes that are all compressed, and he's got to like somehow like you know shake them out and 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 in the does store. He, like, wait a minute, does he not? Does he not have a hollow belt buckle that would make this much easier that he keeps <laughs> the in? He's got twenty dollars in his hollow belt buckle. There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Just for emergencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, but, but he or she leaves the green crystal. Yes, like, gee, Lois, just leave it lying around like it's the TV remote. That, I mean, that drove me <laughs> nuts when I saw that. I'm like, that's kind of an important piece of hardware. And Superman's just like, yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. I'll get it later. Like, what? <laughs> I, I don't think he noticed. I think Lois just, you know, he trusted, he gave it to Lois, although he should have asked for it back, you know. Yeah, but, I think so, but, yeah. Yeah, but Lois just like it's just literally like she just got up from the couch and the and the crystal just fell into the cushions like the remote. You know, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's you know, I mean, we're gonna need that crystal later, people. Just just a heads up. I'm sure you know it, but but yeah. uh, yeah. I mean, inadvertently she saves the day. So. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. She does. Yeah. She her through her own bumbling she saves the day. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, back in East Houston, Idaho, which is identified by name here. Uh, a newscaster reports about the arrival of Zod and crew and gets an exclusive he didn't bargain on <laughs> when Nod rolls up. Uh, <laughs> uh, which I think is funny because, you know, Nod's about to smash one of the monitors and Zod's just like, no. I mean, just like you tell your dog, you know, no, don't do that. <laughs> well, Nod is like your pet dog, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Rob, who is this reporter? Well, all right. Uh, this actor, Richard LaParmentier, uh, has a lot of genre credits. Uh, he was in Octopussy, once again, James Bond. Uh, Space 1999, he was in the movie Reds with Warren Beatty. He was in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. But, of course, his most famous role, as, as, uh, and this is something I did not know. I, I thought he looked vaguely familiar, and then I was like, well, what else did he play? He is the guy. <laughs> he's the guy who mounts off to Darth Vader in the beginning of Star Wars, saying, "Don't try and frighten us with your sorcerer's ways, Lord Vader." He is General Motti, which is yeah. unbelievable that this guy has that. <laughs> the, the, well, I mean, he he passed away in 2013. I hope that he made the rounds at some conventions because, holy mac, what a what a bunch of nerd credits he's got! I was like, I'm in Superman, I'm in James Bond, Space Nine. Oh, and I was I was General Marty. Like that is fantastic. Was he the first guy to be force choked? Uh, yes, I do. He's well, the first person we ever see get get the force whammied on him in Star Wars. It's unbelievable. Well, that yeah. that alone is a massive claim to fame. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god. I mean, he—he's the vehicle that showed how cool Darth Vader was, and yep. the Force for the yep. first time. You know, lack of yeah. faith, disturbing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that till I looked this up, and uh, I, I saw that, and I'm like, oh, 
But uh, yeah, as, yeah, it, it's, you... isn't it amazing what a pair of glasses does for a person? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just like Superman. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we'll never mock that disguise again. That's right. <laughs> uh, the reporter tells Zod that the feed would go worldwide via satellite, and he bravely corrects the superhuman that they are on Earth, not planet Houston. Would you fellas correct this guy at this point? Well, as we've established, <laughs> Richard LaParmentier is not afraid to correct people of immense power. So. <laughs> <laughs> It just comes natural to him, I guess. Just right. So he, you get the, you so get, he stood up to Darth Vader and corrected General Zod that's and a, lived. That's some major stones on this guy. <laughs> I gotta yeah. say. Uh, did he tell? Did he tell Khan off too? I mean, what the heck? <laughs> he going for a trifecta here? <laughs> that Your plan been, is flawed, Khan. <laughs> that would have been awesome if he had played Khan's right hand man, the one who's like, you know, he tells him he's like, raise the shields. I can't. That would have been great if he was that guy. That would have been cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> made an entire career out of telling super bad guys what he can't do. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> He's working for Hans Gruber and uh, Die Hard tells him <laughs> off. <too. laughs> uh, Alan Rickman smacks him upside the head. That'd be awesome. Uh, <laughs> uh, did you guys notice how Zod is admiring himself in the camera? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Loves, I love Zod's narcissism. Yeah, he, it's like, yeah, you're a handsome-looking guy, Terrence. We know, you know, he's all checking himself out, you know. Yeah, look, make sure you get my best side. Right. That's, that's, <laughs> that's funny you bring that up because the final line – well, not the final line, but there's the line where Ursa says, uh, let's show them something more interesting, which is like mm-hmm. that gives them – like these these aliens have a sense of like the theatrical. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they're just like, oh, let's let's really put on a show here, which is like not something you would necessarily think the th- these three aliens would even have a concept of. But they've already got this idea that like they need to make a splash or something. I thought that's an, that's an interesting little character bit that, that she's even thinking like that. Right. I mean, Zod's like completely once he tells him it's going worldwide, he's all about like, well, let's just show him, you know, we're in control. This is. Yep. You know, I'm, I'm in charge now. Here you go. You know, basically. It, but, you know, she's all for, you know, because Ursa is the most bloodthirsty and, and psycho of the bunch. She's she's out to show them what they can really do. And and luckily, right as if on cue, the army shows up mm-hmm. uh, or like part of the <laughs> well, army. It's, well, a few straggling members of the army that were part yeah. just in the area. <laughs> yeah, there was more of a... Jeep. Yeah, one jeep and some a few uh, infantrymen and a few MPs. It's like there was more of an army presence at the end of the monster squad. Do you know who these guys are? These are the guys he sent after John Rambo in First Blood. (laughs) (laughs) The the reserves just happened to be on duty this day. I feel very sorry for them. Having failed to apprehend the Blues Brothers, they were sent down to Houston. Somebody in the Jeep with the megaphone uh, orders them to stand down, and Ursa informs in General Zod does not take orders. He gives them. Uh, and I think things are about to get very interesting as this segment comes to a close. What do you think, guys? Oh, I love her read on that line. I love the, the yeah. clip, the way she says it. He doesn't He doesn't take orders. He gives them. I, I just she's, she's offended on his behalf, which I really love. I think that's a great – there's a million ways to read that line. I think Sarah, Sarah Douglas really gives it the exact – Right, kind of like pissiness. It really well I, done. I I love all of her line deliveries in this film. From um, 
thingy or this Superman mustn't be a very demanding male to oh Superman <laughs> yeah all, yeah. all, all of her line delivery in this she's almost as good in, in V if you've ever seen her in V she's really good in that as well mm. I haven't seen it I haven't seen V forever I need yeah, to see it again. I remember her yeah. being in it yeah yeah, I know Shag's a big fan of V too. So, uh, yeah, it, it's she and, and Rob and I have talked about this in other episodes. Her and Jack O'Halloran really make the most out of roles that would be much lesser if they hadn't been in them. I mean, yeah. I think they yep. they they really plus those characters in in this movie. And I mean, they add so much dimension. I mean, you can just imagine Ursa obviously hates like every other man. But she is so loyal to Zod. It's like she just Zod's on this pedestal and no other man can ever reach him. And so every other man's beneath her because they're beneath him. So it's it's uh, and that's in that delivery right there, you know. So it's it's just really it, when you examine this movie five minutes of time, <laughs> this stuff starts to come out more to you. And you're like, wow, that's a really that's a really great performance. I really would like to meet both of them at a convention sometime and uh, and get to interact with them because everybody always says they're great to talk to at the at the Superman celebrations and the conventions and stuff. So maybe one of these days I'll we'll get to run into them. So that'd be great. Another thing we can charge to the Fire and Water credit card for. There you go. <laughs> How big is your expense account? <laughs> Well, the you know Rob just keeps bringing in all the dough with uh, all of his different shows, so that's why that's how that's how we're able to afford all the stuff. So <laughs> I, I do I do issue uh, uh, checks to all the members of the network, like Tony Stark and the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, any final thoughts on on these minutes? And for you, Andy, in the at the film in general, any thoughts on final closing thoughts here before we wrap up? Uh, why am I not coming back? I don't I don't get to do the next five with you. Oh man. You can come back when we do Superboy uh episode minute. <laughs> I'll pick an episode of Superboy. Um I I well I, I picked this bit largely because of the British kid. It just seemed appropriate. But I, I do love this scene of, of the three of them just trashing this small town, largely because the dynamic between the three of these guys is is off the charts. I mean, Jack O'Halloran deserves a lot of credit for doing a lot with very little, with a guy who essentially is mute throughout the entire film. He does an awful lot with it. But as we've discussed throughout this, Sarah Douglas is magnificent in every one of her line readings. She's just very slinky, almost Catwoman-esque in her movements. But Terence Stamp just holds it all together. If you watch what's going on, Stamp just kind of stands there and lets the other two do all the dirty work mm-hmm. for him. Even when he threw that guy through the wall, he didn't even look at him. He just pushed him out the way. Right. He, every, he does everything very minimalist. And that's why I still think these three are some of the best bad guys we've seen in a superhero movie. Well, Superman 2 has fallen down the list for me in terms of my favorite films. For a long time, this was my favorite Superman film. And as you get older, you realize that, well, objectively, Superman the movie is a better film from start to finish. It's just a better put-together movie. But that's not to say this isn't supremely enjoyable and entertaining. And it's it's such a shame it didn't give us that comic book renaissance back then. It didn't lead into Batman, which didn't lead into Batman 2, Superman 3, World's Finest, a Wonder Woman movie. It's all that could, what could have been. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> what, 
<laughs> what could have been if Warner Brothers had actually had someone in in the company who actually had the vision to go, well, we're doing Supergirl, let's bring Superman back, let's bring a Batman, let's bring them all together. And then let yeah. all of that, just so much that could have been done with it if they could have keep backing the money truck up to Christopher Reeve. But overall, my only problems with Superman 2 are, are largely of it of being such a piecemeal film. Otis and Miss Tessma could just disappear. Lex disappears for vast chunks of the movie. It's It doesn't hold up if you actually scrutinise the script and the plot in terms of the way the film is put together. But the fact that it does hold together so well for being substantially rewritten, substantially reshot, you only have to look at the most recent Fantastic Four film or Justice League to see how bad it could have been. Mm. <laughs> and the fact that they were able to take all these disparate puzzle pieces and make not only a coherent but an entertaining film as well is a testament to the Salkins and Richard Lester that I don't think they get the credit for as everyone falls over themselves to, to Lord Richard Donner, who, don't get me wrong, love the guy, love what he did with Superman, love his other films, but they did actually manage to take all the bits and make an entertaining movie out of them, which is a lot harder than it looks. Joss Whedon didn't manage it. Mm. Right. Good. Wow, really good points. Yeah, I mean, you, you've got the the modern version of this with, you know, Justice League and, and that alone, I mean, in the same, uh, you know, the same character series anyway. I mean, it's, it's yeah, r- screaming at you right there in the Fantastic, the Fan4Stick movie, fan, Fantastic Four. Uh, yeah, but yeah, that's, yeah, I hadn't even thought of that really in that, in those terms. But yeah, I mean, we're, me and, you know, me and Rob are personal friends with Dick Donner, but, you know, we, we, do, we do, we do have to give Richard Lester and, and the Salkinds credit. They did. I mean, as a kid, I didn't catch it. I didn't realize that this movie was directed by two different people, that it was picked up. And I, I, I mean, it, 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 it wasn't too late. I, I think I was in my teens when I noticed, hey, why does Lois's hair keep changing? You know, things like that. Yeah. And, I and, then, then, and then did you read the Starlog interview with Richard Donner where I first heard that there was a different version of Superman 2? Is that where you read it as well? I don't think so. I, I think it was, um, I can't remember. It was a different magazine, but maybe it was Starlog. It might have been. It, it was an interview about Lady Hart, and they asked him about Superman 2, and he goes into great detail about that entire opening sequence where Lois draws the glasses on the picture of Superman and all of that. And that's where I first heard that this existed because he actually said in that interview, I believe, I mean, obviously it's 25 years ago. I read that 30 years ago, but I believe he actually says we shot all that stuff. All that stuff exists. And yeah. that was the first instance I heard that there was a, another version of this film out there. And Andy got on the internet and said, release the Donner cut. <laughs> yeah, release and, the uh, Donner cut. And then I was so <laughs> disappointed in it. Hmm. <laughs> now, that, uh, that, now that opening scene I do enjoy, but yeah, there's... Yeah, there's a lot to like in the Donner cut. I know you've, you, you touch on it briefly as you go through these episodes, but you're concentrated on the theatrical, which is right and true and what you should be doing. This is a finished film. The Donnerco isn't. Yep. And that's my big deal with it. It's an, a wonderful DVD extra for mm-hmm. those of us that love that kind of stuff. It's not a film. Right. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I, I, I totally, that's, that's where I'm at on it. I love it. I love that it exists. I love that we can watch it. But it's not going to replace this as the movie. No. Because it can. It's, there's not enough there for it to replace this as the movie. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. yeah. 
So, uh, well, Rob, any thoughts on closing thoughts on these minutes? Well, uh, not on these minutes specifically, but it occurs to me that this is episode 13 of our season. So we are now halfway through this movie. Woo! Wow. That's just, that's surprising. <laughs> that's just, I, I don't have any more anything uh, more uh, more deep to say about it other than yeah we are we're now halfway through Superman two so uh, it's kind of exciting. Boy, uh, it's going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's it's funny you, you think and this movie does move along at a good clip but if you think about it the the parts of this movie that you I mean you think about the battle in Metropolis and I mean Superman's not even aware that Zod and company are on the planet. I mean, you know, it's it's amazing to think we're halfway through the film, and he doesn't even know they're I, here yet. I, I did have that in my notes, and we kind of, I, I didn't say it when we got by, but the, the fortress really needs some sort of alarm system or like a trouble alert. <laughs> while, while he's canoodling with Lois and she's dropping uh, the crystal behind some couch cushions, uh, the Phantom Zone villains are attacking. And, and also, he also leaves the, the, the fortress to go on a uh, food run. At some point, maybe he should have turned on his super hearing. Yeah, right. Um, where's the expositional news network when you need it? Yeah, come on. <laughs> Michael Bailey hadn't invented it yet. That's why. It's not... <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> On that note, I think we could probably wrap up here. So, uh, Andy, thanks so much for stopping by. It's always a pleasure to get to talk to you. Yeah, you too, guys. It was it was lovely to be able to join. Yeah, I do love Superman Movie Minute. Love the Fire and Water Network, even though you have Shag on it. It was uh, it's a delight. <laughs> I feel the same way. <laughs> it's a delight. Thank you for asking me back. I, I always have fun listening to the show. Uh, the only thing more fun than that is partaking in it. So thank you, guys. Oh, anytime, anytime. So you want to plug all your shows that they people people can find you on the interwebs on? You can all go and make a cup of coffee if you want. Um, <laughs> Fantastic cast uh, is plowing into the 1980s, Doug Mench, Bill Sankovic era. Uh, Listen to the Prophets, uh, deep into season five of Deep Space, season six of Deep Space Nine. The Overlooked Dark Knight goes wherever the hell it wants to. Uh, Little Pride and Joy, The Palace of Glittering Delights is about anything. Uh, What I'm most proud of on that at the minute is covering Amazing Spider-Man from issue one all the way to whenever I get bored of doing it. I'm currently in the 60s. Yeah, I love that. I've been digging the heck out of that. You, that that's I'm all, all, always excited when that comes through. That's like, oh, more Spider-Man from Andy. Yay. So. <laughs> Thanks very much. It's the one I enjoy the most. I love. Those I always enjoy the comics. show, but yeah, that that's the one that 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 gets me all you know tingly. So yeah. <laughs> does it make your spider sense tingle? It does every time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, leave that for Cindy. <laughs> Yeah, I probably should. Uh, <laughs> on, on that note, uh, the shows, be sure to check out the other fine shows on our network at fireandwaterpodcast.com, including several Rob and myself hosts, because if we listed the ones Rob did, you'd have to go get a coffee and a sandwich. And, and again, again, sorry, before we started the show, I thought I said I've thought about Rob. At Glastonbury, there was a tent, 4077th MASH, and I thought, MASHcast. There so you you, you've infected me, Kelly. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> for, for in the time it would take to list all my podcasts, you could fly all the way to a South Sea island to pick up some flowers and fly back. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but look damn good doing it. That's right. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'd love to read your comments on Superman Two Movie Minute over at FireWaterPodcast.com, and you can leave us a review in iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever they call it nowadays. If you're so inclined, uh, thanks as always. 
the retailer and Alex Robinson for welcoming us into the Movie by Minute family and allowing us to use their format. Be sure to check out all the great shows, the movie shows at moviesbyminute.com. Join our never-ending battle here next week on Superman 2 Movie Minute as the adventure continues. Bye. 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 Good afternoon, Mr. President. Sorry I've been away so long. I won't let you down again. Thank you.